All right, it's so good to be back here, and thank you for being here, and uh, welcome here. And uh, again, I'm so excited to be back. Someone asked me um, uh, a couple of times, a couple of people have asked me this past week if I remember how to preach. <laughs> I know how to preach, all right? You know, so I, I take two weeks off from preaching, and then I preached, you know, like three weeks ago, and then I had two weeks off there. But listen, I, I'm excited to be back, and it's good to be back home here, and, and, um, and uh, thank you for our amazing staff and our pastors and our staff for just kind of stepping in, and I appreciate them so much for helping me out during that time. And, uh, and so, and, you know, we talk about all these things that are happening here at Lake Point, and I'm just excited to see mission stuff that's happening. Now, first of all, um, Pastor Chris, um, who's just up here, his, his daughter, Juliana, we call Jewel, um, but she is on her way back from her six-month mission trip in Africa. So she's on her way home. She'll be back home on Wednesday. So we're praying for her travel. And uh, so we're looking forward to hearing from her and, and, and the stories of, of, of life change that she has she have experienced over in Africa. And then, um, and then we have things that are going on here in our church. We've got our Love for a Child camp. We support Love for a Child here at Lake Point. And our Love for a Child is ministry to uh, foster uh, kids that are in foster care and they come from real bad broken situation and have a special camp that they are doing and that's not this week but a lot of our volunteers are doing that the week after next and, and so that's coming up and and so a lot of like I said volunteers from our church helped out with that camp and it's really exciting to see what God is doing in that we have a peacemakers mission trip which is an organization in downtown Detroit we've got a number of our people here in the church that's going Downtown, they're going to spend a night downtown for, uh, you know, five days and, and five nights. And it's going to be um, doing mission work right there on the street. And, um, and, and so just some cool things that are going on there. So I love the, the heart of our church is mission. We want to be about mission. And uh, we're thankful for our missionaries. We're thankful for, um, you know, those of us who are doing work on mission. Right now we're doing a, a collection for back-to-school um, supplies. And if you know, you know, if you'd like to be a part of that, check out the program and see how you can be plugged into that and help kids that are not able to afford a backpack, not able to afford school supplies. And uh, we can be a blessing to them as well. And so, well, we, um, we're going to kick off a brand new series today, and I'm um, going to talk about balance. i talk about balance. And in fact, I, um, when I was uh, in, in, a teenager, when I was in high school, um, middle school, um, I went skiing, downtown, you know, downhill skiing. How many of you have gone downhill skiing? You love to ski. Or maybe you ski, but maybe you don't love it. It doesn't matter. You skied before. Raise your hand. All right, very confusing. I'm sorry. You've skied. All right. Now, now how many of you love to ski? Uh, it's just a handful there. Okay. Left hand. Okay. My brother, Adam, I don't know. He's back there. You love skiing? No, nope, he broke his leg, and uh, he's like, I'm done with skiing. I'm out. And so, um, and so but I, I, fortunately, I've never broke a leg, and I've been, I was always more careful and, and smarter uh, than my brother. And, um, and so um, I, I remember the first getting up on a ski hill and going down, um, you know, you're wiping out on the mountain, uh, just constantly wiping out, and you just don't know what you're doing. But the more you practice and the better you understood um, what you were doing, the better you got. And, um, and one of the things I had a hard time doing was how to stop, you know, and, 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 and they didn't teach me how to stop. And so I would get down to the bottom of the hill 
and, and I would just wipe out on purpose, just so I could stop, and it was not a, a beautiful, glorious finish. Now, one time, I, I tried to stop, but I couldn't stop. I went right into the parking lot, almost to the road, and, um, and, and so just, it was just a bad, bad, scary scenario all around, but um, I got better over it because I learned some very basic principles of balance, physical laws of balance. And, and, and so what I want to do today is just try to start off the series and, and, and pull out a little physics, a little science, okay? And, and when I was in high school, I opted out of physics class, okay? They said, hey, you want to take physics? And I said, do I need to take physics? And, and they said, no, you don't have to take physics. And then I said, no, I'm not going to take physics. <laughs> but I understood some basic physics laws, and, uh, you know, of course, the law of gravity and, you know, just some other physics that you know and laws that you know, and I want to talk about three laws of physical balance. Three laws of physical balance, it's right there in your handout notes, and you're going to see here in just a few minutes how this ties in, how this ties in into financial laws of balance. Now, I get it. I get it, because some of you when I talk about money, it might make you a little nervous. I get that. But we're going to talk about how this makes sense, and I promise you this will challenge you and challenge every one of us here, and, and I know that this will be uh, helpful for, in so many different ways. Three laws, let's talk about physics. Three laws of physical balance. Number one, you've got to have a reference point. You've got to have a reference point. You know, when I'm skiing, to tell you, you know, and, you know, and this helped me, is don't look down at the bottom of the hill and don't look straight down. Look about 10 to 15 feet out and keep your focus about 10 to 15 feet out. If you ever watch uh, Olympic gymnastics, and the gymnasts are down that balance beam, right? And they're, they're doing this kind of stuff and, and, and they're trying to score a 10. What you don't see the gymnast doing is looking in the stand and waving. Uh, maybe if they're four years old, okay? <laughs> and they're waving to their mom and dad. But a gymnast, what, what you see, you see them focus straight ahead. They have a stationary point, and, and they're told to keep your eyes on that stationary point, on a fixed point, and don't move your focus. Don't lose your focus and keep track on that, on that stationary point, that reference point. And, and, and so we're going to talk a, lot, a little bit about that. We're going to talk about a reference point because as long as you can keep your eyes in that reference point, the more balanced you can be. And today we're going to talk a little bit at the end of this, at the end of this message what that means to have a reference point when it comes to our finances. But here's the second law of physical balance. That's the law of constant correction. Constant correction. You have to constantly make corrections. You have to constantly correct yourself. If you ever tried to walk over a plank or, or a log crossing a creek, I remember when you were little, running into the woods, and, and you, you got to get across this little, little creek. You get on this log, and what do you do? You, you, you walk, and, and you're, whoa, you know, whoa. You know, you try to be very careful not to lose your balance. You're constantly adjusting your weight, you know, the center of your gravity, so that you can Stay on point and stay on that beam or on that log and not trip over. Again, you do that with skiing. You know, when you're skiing, you're constantly keeping your knees flexible and you're constantly making corrections. 
by the way, this is what, when it comes to our finances, this is what a good financial planner does for you. He modifies your portfolio. He adjusts, you know, your portfolio to the changes in the market, in the changing market that we have to keep our portfolio balanced. That's why we have a monthly budget. That's why, you know, sometimes we think, well, I got one budget, and it's a one, one size split off for the whole year. And no, because every month it's a different curveball. Every month it's different. Sure, you got some consistent numbers in your budget, but there's always some extra things, things that come up, you know, right now, as you think about August, you know, um, there's an increase in the budget for school clothes if you have kids, school supplies. And so, you know, where you didn't have to think about school supplies and school clothes back in, you know, May, because this is ready to be done with school, and, and what they got is what they have. But now it's a new school year, so all of a sudden, the budget fluctuates. It changes. So you have to constantly make corrections to your monthly budget. And so you have a reference point. You know, you're going to look where you're going, and then you got constant, constantly make corrections. It's the third physical law of balance. You've got to have a clear objective. To answer the question, where are you going? Or what are you trying to accomplish? What are you trying to do? If I have a, um, if I'm trying to balance a bat in my hand, you ever done that? Maybe a broom? You know, if you haven't done that, maybe this afternoon, just show, show off your balancing skills to your kids, you know, kind of do that. And what are you doing here? I'm constantly making corrections, keep that bat up, you know. Uh, but what, what am I trying to do with this? You know, I, I'm trying to make this bat not fall. That's the objective. I'm trying to keep it up. If I'm on a, a log trying to cross the creek, what's my objective? To get on the other side without falling to the river. If I'm skiing, you know, what's my objective? My objective is to get down to the bottom of a hill, just short of the parking lot, without wiping out. All right? and so that's my goal. I have a, an objective where I'm going. So balance, having balance allows you to remain where you want to be, and balance allows you to go where you want to go. And so you have to have a clear objective. What is it that you're trying to do? Three physical laws of balance. And if you will learn to weave those three laws into your finances, I promise you, you will learn to be financially balanced. Now, here's the trick. I, I, got, th I got to throw some cautions. Uh, if, if, if you were to violate any of the laws of physical balance, uh, go back to physics, if I were to violate any of those laws, for example, let's just say I'm going to stand on this stool. I'm not going to stand on this stool. I've got... If I am, I got the first aid lady right here. She's ready for me. She's like, Scott, are you ready? <laughs> no, I am not going to stand on this stool. But if I were to stand on this stool, all right, and I violate one of those three physical laws of balance, what happens? I fall immediately. I'm hurt. You know, it, it, it's not good. Miss Donna will come to my rescue. <laughs> She'll make sure I'm better. You know, so... Um, it's not going to be great. However, 
If you violate any of the laws of balance when it comes to your personal finance, do you know what happens immediately? Nothing. Nothing. This, this is why so many of us have spent seasons of our lives violating financial principles, ignoring the laws of balance when it comes to our finances, because we don't see the immediate consequences. And because we don't see those consequences right away, we don't do anything about it. We keep making the same bad financial mistakes. You can start bad financial habits in your teens, in your 20s, go to college, get a good job, got financial margin, and don't see the fallout when it comes to the bad financial decisions violating those financial laws of balance. So here, here's the first point, so we're taking notes. Got to get a handle of this. Your finance, it follows the law of the harvest and not the law of Pinocchio. Not the law of Pinocchio. Again, you can go for several, several seasons of life violating financial principles, being way out of balance when it comes to your finances and not see the immediate effect of it. And that's why this is so deceiving, because the law of personal finances doesn't follow the law of Pinocchio. Now, we all remember Pinocchio. Every time he would tell a lie, what would happen and when did it happen? Whoop, it knows. It would grow, it would get longer, and it would happen right away. Now think about this. If, if you know if your nose grew every time you told a lie, and that happened right away, whoop, you said, man, Scott, I've already got a bigger nose. I don't need a bigger nose. You know, but if it got longer every time you told a lie, what would you do? You stop telling lies. You say, I can't keep going with this, you know. I can't keep going longer. You stop telling lies. If every time you look at things that you shouldn't look at, and your eyes get bigger, well, then what, what will you do? You would stop looking at those things. I, don't want, I can't get a bigger eye. If every time you hear something or you listen to something that you, on purpose, you know, you knew you shouldn't have listened to it, and you listen to it, and every time you did that, your ears got Mickey Mouse ears. You know, big old, big old ears. And it grew big every time you heard something you shouldn't. What will you do? Well, you would change. You would say, you know what, I got to stop listening to those things because I, can't, I cannot have bigger ears. If, if you say something that you should not say, and every time you did, your mouth, your mouth grew bigger, you stopped saying things that you shouldn't say. Because you said, I don't want a big mouth. You know, I got to stop having a big mouth. You stop. The point is, where there are immediate consequences, we do something about it every time. Every time. When we see the immediate consequences of it, we do something about it. However, when it comes to finances, the laws of finance don't operate by the law of Pinocchio. 
Because if we did, then we would stop making bad financial decisions if we started the immediate effect of it, because we don't. It doesn't follow the law, the law of Pinocchio. It follows the law of the harvest. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul, he says to the people of Galatians, he says, do not be deceived. Do not be duped. He says, God cannot be mocked. God cannot be fooled. You know, if you think your bad behavior, you think you can get away from it, you're, you're totally duped. If you think you've got one against God and you've got one up on him and you can get around him, no, God cannot be mocked. And then he said this, a man reaps what he sows. Some of the Galatians were thinking, man, I can get away with sin because I'm not seeing the consequences of it. And, and Paul said, oh yeah, you will. You will definitely see it. And this really applies to our finances. The, the law, if we're taking notes, the law of the harvest says, I'm going to sow now, I'm going to plant now, but I'm going to reap later and greater. Later and greater. And that's how finances work. That's the law of the harvest. You, by the way, this works in, good, in both negative and positive. You can, you can plant in, in, in financially in a positive way, and, and in a sense, you will reap. You will harvest in a positive way. But if you, if you plant, if you sow negative, um, in a negative way, if you violate the financial laws of principles, there will be a payday. There will be a consequences later. You will see it down the road in a different season of your life. And you will look back to the place in your life where you said, no, I did not plant correctly. People are facing the consequences of decisions, bad decisions that they've made for many years. In some cases, ever since they've started to manage money. And so, things are out of balance. Here's a second thought here. Being out of balance financially creates financial problems plus some. In other words, if you're, fin if you're out of balance financially in, in that area of life, it could have spilled over in, other, in the other arenas of your life. It, it can spill over. It can affect your relationship. It will affect the way that you go to work. It will affect your discipline and your mindset, to have a disciplined a discipline mindset. It will spill over in other areas. I, I've seen, I have seen, that, that in fact, the number one cause for divorce, the number one cause for divorce, is, it has to do with finance. And it's, and it's not because they don't have money, it's because the husband and wife, they have a different set of values in the way that they see money. And they have a different set of value when it comes to how they save and how they spend and, and, and how they give and, and all those things. And, and, and so there's a conflict. And, 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 and husband and wife, the number one topic for arguments is has to do with finances. In fact, most couples, they'll talk more about finances than anything else. And not that that's bad. You know, that's just normal. And, and you're going to have a conversation. My wife and I, 
Um, we have complication all the time about, about what we're spending. We have, a, we have every month, just about every month, we'll have some type of, uh, some type of, of a family, and I say family, just me and her, you know, but a, a husband and wife business meeting. Because she, she knows what needs to be spent. She says, hey, Scott, you know, because if it's up to me, we spend nothing. Right? Right? And so Karen's like, you know, hey, Scott, we need to buy school clothes. School clothes, they got clothes from last year. So Scott, you know, the kids grew last year. Oh, but that makes sense. So, okay, yeah, but okay. And, and she'll speak into those things that, that she needs to speak into. You know, and, and, and she has a, a, um, an equal voice in this conversation. And we work together. We have these conversations. Because if our finances is not where it should be balance-wise, then our marriage is going to be out of balance. It will affect our relationship. And so just don't think that it just stays in your financial world. It spills over. It spills over. Here's the third thought. The more money you have, the easier it is to be out of balance to stay out of balance. You see, anytime we have extras of anything, we tend to be less disciplined. Because when you have very little, you know, and, and you're like, okay, we have a tight budget, and we've got, you know, then you find yourself to be, I find people that are very little more disciplined financially. But it's those that have the extra, and we become undisciplined. Whether it's the way we use debt, the way we spend, the way we give, the way we save, the way we plan or don't plan, whenever there's extra, whenever there's a lack of discipline, then we always tend to move to a place of unbalance. Unbalance. We lose sight of the, of the reference point. We, need to, we lose sight of the things that we need to stay focused on. We forget how important it is to make constant adjustment in our, in our financial world. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. We forget why in the world we have anything to manage money in the first place. We forget why. We forget the why. We just do, we're just going through the motions. And we forget the objective of our financial world. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about what it looks like, what it means to be balanced with our personal finances. Now, I know, some of you are asking a question, so Scott, okay, it's great. You're, you're, you're talking about stuff, you're talking about money, I, I, I get it, but man, you're, you're talking about stuff that sounds like you can get from Dave Ramsey. You know, I, I can get the kind of stuff, you know, from a, you know, from a financial book. There's a, there's a lot out there. You know, why, we, why do we have to talk about money now, personal finances here in church, and here's why. Here's why. As you read the scripture, the Old and New Testament, here's what you will learn. That God has a whole lot to say about money. He talks about money a lot. In fact, Jesus had so much to say about money that he said he, he, he talked more about money than heaven and hell combined. And you'll be surprised that Jesus never asked for money in his earthly ministry. He never asked for it. 
And yet the Bible does talk about the importance of giving. But that is not the majority of what the Bible says about money. There's far more in the Bible about financial management and being a good steward, and a steward is a manager. He said there's more in the Bible about how to manage money than it is about how to give money. And so for those reasons, we're going to spend a few weeks talking about how to be balanced financially from the standpoint of what the Scripture teaches, because God has so much to say on the subject. Now, I want to shift. That was kind of the introduction. I want to shift real quickly and talk about that first law of being balanced. Remember the first law? That's the reference point. The reference point. Talk about a reference point in your personal finance. I'm going to give you two reference points. One is, uh, one is more spiritual. The other one is, is, is practical. But I'm going to say both spiritual. They're both spiritual, to be honest with you. That's what I was thinking about it this morning. So one is, one is, is spiritual. It's about the heart. We're going to talk about that in a minute. The other one, you know, it, it speaks to that being a faithful steward. Being faithful to the things that God has given to us. And that is absolutely spiritual. Because the scripture talks about that. But let me give you the first one, the spiritual reference point. And you'll see what I'm talking about here. The spiritual reference point is that we got to keep our eyes on Jesus when it comes to our finances. We got to keep our eyes on him. In fact, if you're taking notes, there's a relationship between the way you handle your money and your devotion to God. There's a relationship between the way that you use your money and the condition of your heart. There is a relationship there. In fact, the Bible says here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, this is the words of Jesus. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is. Now, your treasure, that's your, that's your um, stuff. That's your money. Your possessions. Jesus says, wherever your treasure is, your heart follows. Which means, if, if, if you want to know here, if you want to know where my heart is, if you want to know where my heart is, don't judge my spirituality because I'm standing up here preaching. This is a skill. This is what God has given me. And, and honestly, this is the opportunity that you give me as a pastor, as your pastor. Now, but if you really want to see and judge my spirituality, you need to take a look at my checkbook. You need to take a look at my monthly budget and see where my heart is. See where my heart is. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, it's as if God is tall enough through Jesus. That God's going to look. I know your heart is going to follow your stuff. I know. And God said, listen, I don't want to compete with your stuff. I just want your heart. That's what I want. I want your heart. And your heart, it tends to follow your stuff. It tends to follow that. And I, and I want you then, if that's the case, then I want you to surrender your stuff me. That's what I want. Because he said, God said, because once you surrender your stuff, once you surrender all your money and your, your savings, once you surrender all of that to me, then, then I have your heart. 
I have your heart. I don't, I, God said, I don't want the money. I don't need your house. Have you seen, God said, have you seen my house? Oh, <laughs> you know, I don't need your clothes. Have, I know, I've got everything. I've, God said, I don't need your stuff. I am interested. I want your heart. I want your heart. And he wants you to surrender your personal finances to him. Why? Because that's where our heart goes, where our heart goes. In other words, he can't have, if you take a note, God can't have total access to your heart until you get total access to your treasures, to your stuff. Uh, you see, there's a constant tension here, right? In fact, Jesus talked about the tension. Look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. No servant can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then Jesus said, and, that, and, and, and then he takes it a little bit further, he said, you cannot serve both God and money. Jesus is saying that the conflict that you face and struggle with every day is God and your stuff. That's the conflict. God versus your stuff. And you're going to have a master. God would say to you, and he would say to me, who's going to be your master? That's what God wants to know. Who's going to be your ruler? Are you going to serve your stuff? Are you going to serve the accumulation of your wealth, your possession? Are you going to serve your stuff and hope that it will help you? Or are you going to serve and surrender to me? You can't have it both ways. That's what God said. You can't have it both ways. That's the tension that will never, ever, ever go away in our lives. In other words, we can possess our possession. By the way, there's nothing wrong with stuff. It's nothing wrong with possession. We can possess our possession. It's when our possession possess us. That's the problem. Nothing wrong with possession. It's when your possession possess you. You see, here's, here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus, he's saying this. Jesus doesn't want to get your money. He just want to make sure that your money doesn't get you. That it doesn't become your idol. He wants you to manage what he has given you. Manage it for the glory of God. For the glory of God. God doesn't want to have your stuff. God just wants to make sure your stuff doesn't have you. Because when your stuff has you, guess who you're serving? You're serving your stuff. You're trying to get the God of the universe to help you serve the wrong thing. So that's the spiritual reference point. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. We've got to keep our eyes on him and say, God, all my stuff is for you. It's for your glory. God, use my stuff to bless others. Use me as a conduit to bless others. Help me, God, to see that this is not just my stuff. This is yours. You have given it to me to be a financial steward. I'm going to keep my focus on you, Jesus. Keep my eyes on him. Here's the practical. Practical, and I'm going to say, I believe this is spiritual too. I'm going to get a little practical. You need to know where your money is going. It's a reference point. I'm walking the balance. I got to know where my money is going. And I bet most of us in here, you really don't know where your money is going. I said, well, I paid the bill. Well, good. I hope it paid the bill. You know, so well, we, we need groceries. Good, good. We need groceries. 
You know, we have, we use an app. And it's, it's through Dave Ramsey called everydollar.com and we use it the app. And, and it's synced up with our bank account. I've been using it for over 10 years. And it's been great. So I've had a problem with it. I know sometimes we're a little skeptical with you know, those kind of things, but you know, just, you know. And he said, what, is it free? No, it costs me $10 a month, but it's the best $10 I spend every month. Because it's tracking, it's helping me stay on point. It's keeping me track on my reference point, and it tells me where my money is going. Every now and then, I get a little lazy. Because, you know, you, you, you start to lose focus. And you're kind of going through the motion, you're not tracking. And then with the inflation, everything going up, I, I thought, man, I better start retracking this thing again. So I started retracking. I had my budget. I, keep, I, I do a monthly budget through that app every month, and it, it fluctuates. I use that as our tool in a conversation with, with Karen. And, 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 and so we started tracking it in the last, you know, again, I started retracking it in the last three or four months. And, you know, I have, I have on my line, I got my, on my budget, you know, my favorite coffee place. I love my coffee. Karen loves her coffee. We love our coffee. And yes, I know, you can make it for free somewhere. I get that. But, you know, we love our coffee. That's fine. This is just how, this is, this is not to make you feel guilty. You love coffee? Put it in your budget line. And so I put it in my budget line. I had a set amount. I thought, that, you know, and I thought, man, that's a fair amount. I started tracking it. I told Karen <laughs> recently, I said, Karen, you would not believe how much you spend on coffee. Ah, it's crazy. It's crazy because we just, it was just kind of just going on its own. I had a mind of its own and we weren't tracking it. It's important as financial managers of, you know, according to God's word, be good stewards. To be able, if you want a financial balance, you got to assess where you're at. You need to know where it's going. I'm not saying you can't have a coffee budget line. But you might be shocked and say, oh, my goodness. We shouldn't be spending that much money. If we do, it's going to take away from this priority that, that's not getting the attention that it really needs. And you get out of balance. So my challenge here, and actually it's not going to be a one-week challenge. You know, personally, it's going to take you a couple months. They gotta do the hard work and find some balance and spy on your money. Spy on your money. See where it's going. It's so easy with our car to swipe it. Seven dollars here, fourteen dollars there, ten dollars here, and you say, Oh, we're good, we're good. And then when you start adding it all up, it's a whew, then groceries cost me more than five hundred dollars this month. It cost a thousand dollars this month. Okay, I need to I need to make some adjustment, which is again your physical law of balance. But you can't make the adjustment if you don't know where it's going. Y'all with me? Easy stuff. I'm going to challenge you. You're not going to tell me where it's going. You need to know it for yourself. I need to know where my money is going. I mentioned a couple of tools. You know, I mentioned, uh, um, you know, I, I use that app, everydollar.com. If you say, well, Scott, I'm, I'm going to do that $10. I'm not going to spend $10 on an app. I'm going to do spreadsheet. If you're disciplined and you want to do it that way, go for it. However you want to work. You know? But for me, that's what I use. There's other tools out there, mint.com. I know that some of you might use QuickBook. You know, I'm going to challenge you to check into these tools. They're great resources out there. I, I, you know, we're, we're offering a class this fall 
uh, for Financial Peace University through Dave Ramsey. We have a couple of our um, uh, finance guys here in our church that can be leading now. And if you're like, man, I need some help. I need some, you know, some expertise on this. Uh, and in the back of your connection card, let us know if you're interested in that. And by the way, if you sign up for that class, you know, and there's a cost for that class, but you get a lot of stuff with it, including one year free of that, of that Every Dollar app. You get that for one, one year for free, which is, you know, you get back everything that you put into that class. So I promise you those kind of things are helpful, but you need to know where your money is going. Let me close out by saying this, and I'm done. I want you to know that in this series, because a lot of times when you hear a series on money, on finance, they say, okay, what's the end game, Pastor? What's the agenda? Where are we going? Where's the sales pitch? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you know, you're, you're like, okay, where's the capital campaign? Are we having a special offering? Just go ahead, Scott, just say it out now. Just what, what's the special offering? Let, let me just say, it's none of that. None of that. And so well, what's the end game? And this is my motive for this series. My motive for this series is that I don't want anything from you. I want something for you. Four things I want for you. First of all, I want you to trust God with every area of your life and experience God's faithfulness financially. You know, you trust God with your money. It's an invitation for him to show up and to show out. That's why he talks about money so much. He just wants you to trust him. Trust him. I want you to trust God. Second of all, I want you to be free. Not free to do what you want, but to be free for whatever God wants for you. To do what God wants you to do, to go where God wants you to go, to give what God wants you to give, to be able to do that, to be able to have the financial freedom that when God tells you to do something, okay, I can do it because I am financially balanced. I want you to be free. Look, the third thing I want. I want you to be secure financially. And that happens when you know where your money is going, when you save, course correction, make some adjustment in your budget, and you have a plan. Number four, I want you to be content. Content. A big part of our discontentment comes from an unquenchable thirst for more stuff. And I want to teach us to be content. Contentment. God wants us to be balanced. He has so much to offer when we can trust Him with every area of our lives, including our finances. We trust Him. Our Heavenly Father, we love you and we ask you to help us here today. Maybe some of us here, God, we have made years bad decisions, financial decisions. Years. And we think that we've got away with it. But coming home, the fallout is happening. 
we're seeing the consequences. We went too far into debt, and we did not save, or we did not spend the honor and glorify you in the way that we should. And today we need to make some course correction in our lives and apply these laws of balance in our finances. God, I pray that you will help us to focus on where our money is going. We need to track it. God, help us to do the hard work, the discipline, to spy on our money. But God, help us, most of all, to keep our eyes on you. Help us to follow after you, to listen to you. God, help us to, when you speak, help us to listen and to do what you want us to do, to follow after you. God, help us not allow our possessions to possess us. Help us to not allow our money to get us. God, we don't want our money to get us. God, we want to serve you with, with how you have blessed us in so many different ways. We want to serve you. You are our master. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, that's your next step. Your next step is keep your eyes on Jesus and stand. And then I want to challenge you. Start tracking. Spy on your money. Spy. See where it's going. You might be shocked where it's going. Okay?